What's up, Pels fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. My name is Preston Ellis, and in case you didn't know, Pelican Debrief is part of the grander fan-sided sports network. This is the ultimate home for fans. And you guys must be the ultimate fans because you are listening to me right now. But don't worry, I'm going to reward you for your faith and your time because today we are bringing in Saints Nation expert, Andrew Juge. Guys, it's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome in Saints Nation expert and all-around New Orleans sports fan, Andrew Juge. Now, for those of you who don't know, Saints Nation is the top-rated Saints blog, and you can read their stuff at thesaintsnation.com. That's thesaintsnation.com. You can find their Twitter handle at SaintsNationBLG. That's SaintsNationBLG. And you can follow my friend Andrew at Andrew Juge, J-U-G-E. Now, like I said, follow them at SaintsNationBLG. First question, Andrew, who has Saints Nation blog on Twitter, and how do we get it back? <laughs> a good question Preston and thanks for having me on uh it's actually not someone having it it's uh it's the frustration of a a character limit so uh, unfortunately you kind of hit your max so um you know maybe we remove a different letter we could make it Saint Nation blog um but uh I don't know the O uh felt like the one letter I could do without so uh unfortunately basically I need Twitter to get more accounts uh so that they give us an extra character I got you. So there's like a 15 character limit on that title. Yeah, whatever the number is with those letters, you count fast. That's impressive. I never thought about that. Well, I'll work on it. Maybe Saint Nation blogger. I I don't know. You guys are doing fine just the way you're doing it. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, But let's get rolling. Before we get to the Saints offseason, your specialty, let's talk some some Pels right quick. You've been following our boys? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I live in Virginia now. I'm, I'm from New Orleans originally. And, uh, you know, I, I basically have been a Pelicans fan since the minute they came to New Orleans. So, um, you know, obviously I follow every game. I watch them on League Pass. And, uh, you know, I've got to say Joel Myers and, and David Wesley. I mean, I, I've watched every iteration of the announcers, the play-by-play guys and the color guys uh, with League Pass uh, since the team came to New Orleans in its first year. Um, but man, we've been blessed with this crew. I mean, I really feel like this is the best one we've had. Um, so it's been fun to watch these games and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the direction of the team and I'm hoping that, uh, uh, that what we're starting to see here is the beginning of this next development, this next phase of the team, uh, where hopefully they have more success. Yeah. Uh, getting back to what you said about Joel Myers before we get on to the, to the boogie era, uh, do you get such a big kick out of these kind of under the breath remarks that David Wesley and he kind of have this go back and forth where he's like, Oh, and that was a nice carry by Anthony Davis, but with the two pointer, uh, they're going to let him have it. And you hear David, well, actually, I don't know if, and he's got a bunch of those travel calls too. Do you get a kick out of listening to two of these guys kind of go at it? Yeah, absolutely. They have a great chemistry and, you know, Joel has this amazing witty, uh, dry humor that he kind of drops in sometimes. And it's subtle, you know, you kind of have to be paying attention and, and pick up on it. Um, but he, he just leaves little nuggets and gems throughout the by, throughout the broadcast, which I really enjoy. Um, I had a chance to meet Joel um, at the Greenbrier when I was covering the Saints. Um, and he, he covers, he, he spent some time, I guess he does the Black and Blue Report um, podcast as well. And so he spends time during training camp covering the Saints a little bit. And, uh, I mean, what a, I'm 
by far in the business, I would say one of the nicest, most approachable guys I've ever met. Uh, I was with my son, uh, and uh, you know, the next day I, I ran into him again, and he immediately said hi to my son and remembered his name. Um, so that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, and so, you know, for for all the fans listening to him, I mean, he's just on air, off air, super quality guy. Uh, I'm a huge fan. That's awesome. All right. Good to hear that about Joel Myers because we listen to him so often. It's so nice to to hear that we're actually listening to a down-to-earth, really great guy. Um, yeah, I mean, if as a fan, if any fan was ever to run into him, um, go out of your way to say hi because he, he is he's totally approachable. You know, before before I move on, I actually want to bring up Jim Henderson because I, I've been listening to the Saints since I was, I don't know, seven years old. And I, I used to go out to all the restaurants to try to meet the players on their WWL 870 uh AM shows like Martin Anderson and Wayne Martin and uh, Buddy Diliberto. And one guy who was always super nice to me was Jim Henderson. He would mm-hmm. remember me at all this thing. My parents would take me to these places. And there was one time, I think it was about two or three years ago, I just sent him an email in the offseason, just like, hey, Jim, found your email on the site. Just want to say, like, what a legend you are, how much I appreciate listening to you every Sunday. And he actually took the time to write me back, like a nice, probably like, I don't know, 150-word email. It was actually really cool to get that from him. So we're really blessed in New Orleans with those two guys. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got, you know, for such a small market, small town, um, you know, we've got a super high quality. I mean, I, Nick Underhill, my gosh, you know, I, I think we've been so spoiled with him uh, and just his quality as a writer uh, writing for the Saints. And, uh, you know, obviously a Hindu, he, like you said, he's a legend. Uh, again, a super approachable guy. And, um, you know, yeah, I definitely think um, when, when you experience these games, um, and, you know, I, I think you know, Jerry Romick for a long time as the announcer in the Superdome, I mean, it, it's part of the whole experience, right? And when, when, if you go to Saints games and you're riding back, uh, back to your house after the game, you're listening to Buddy D on the radio, and uh, that's part of the whole experience. So, uh, I mean, it's guys like that, you know, Joel Myers, Jim Henderson, they really do make it special. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, back to basketball. We're talking boogie era. How are you enjoying the boogie era so far? You know, I have to admit, I, I was really frustrated at first. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't one of those fans that I, I think we all tempered our expectations. And I, I think, you know, the Pelicans fans, I, I think in general, are, are pretty smart. I mean, just uh, being on Twitter and, and kind of catching a glimpse of, of fans. I, I'm not one of these, like, guys that dives into the analytics and understands, um, you know, work rates and all this stuff. I mean, I, I played basketball growing up, and so, uh, you know, I have an understanding of, you know, how a guy's doing, and I really enjoy the game. Um, but I don't know that I've gone to that level of detail. And it's uh, it's interesting to read the stuff on Twitter because fans are really educated in basketball. I'd say maybe even more so. The passionate basketball fans, I'd say, know more about their sport in some ways uh, than the football Twitter fans. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I was expecting and hoping uh, that the chemistry would gel a little bit sooner. And I think part of it was just the urgency of trying to make that run for the eighth seed. Um, and, you know, just it, it didn't really take it first. And I really think that was a huge blow uh, to the chances of making the playoffs. And I really felt that the trade, you know, Losing Buddy Heald was one thing, um, but in addition to that, you lose Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway. I mean, they really depleted their bench and, and their guards and their shooting, uh, especially losing Galloway. That was kind of the one part of the trade that I, I didn't like because they didn't really have shooters with, with Heald and Galloway gone. And so, um, 
you know, obviously immediately after that trade, I felt like Solomon Hill's shooting completely fell off. And so uh, I really, I really felt like the missing ingredient to this team and, and as well as, as Boogie is starting to play and Anthony Davis has played kind of all along. Um, I was nervous about, is this ever going to work if they don't get shooters? But, you know, they sign Jordan Crawford and immediately he comes in and has an impact. And Jordan Crawford, I mean, he's not reinventing, reinventing the wheel. I think he's just doing a lot of what uh, Langston Galloway was doing before, maybe a little bit better because he's on a hot streak. Um, but man, you add a shooter to this offense uh, that's actually consistently hitting his shots and it's changed everything. And now you're really starting to see what this team could be like uh, with a few complementary pieces. Um, so I'm excited you know, the eighth seed, I think, at this point is, is probably not going to happen. I mean, they, they need to run the table or close. Um, and so that's disappointing. I think when the, they first acquired the trade, I, I told my, my friend Ralph, uh, who I do the podcast with for the Saints, I told him, I said, uh, you know, the goal has got to be get in as the eighth seed and win one game against Golden State, you know, lose 4-1. Um, and that was the goal for, for this season for me as a fan. Um, I don't think they're going to quite get there. Uh, but at least we're seeing enough now in terms of talent that uh, you hope it carries over next year. Totally. And uh, just to harp on that again, you know, we are uh, still 11 games out. We do have three games left against the Nuggets. And uh, yeah. all, all truth be told, they'll probably lose tonight to Cleveland. They've got a murderer's row left uh, to face. Portland has has a bit of an easier schedule. So they're really, if we are able to run the table against the Nuggets in our three-game uh, in our three-game uh, schedule we've got coming up, then Portland's really the team we have to worry about. There's nothing we can do aside from the one game we have with them. But based on what you've seen so far, we've won five of the past six. Uh, in 14 games with Boogie, we are 7-7, seven and seven, so it did take us a little bit uh, to get to get the engines running. Before I get to Drew Holiday, Sporting News reported Gentry was on the hot seat. And I don't know if you remember this, but two years ago, at an eerily similar time, uh, a very similar report came out about Monty Williams needing to get to the playoffs in order to keep his job. Now he got into the playoffs, yeah. he got swept in, he ended up losing his job. Uh, do you see a similar thing taking place at this point, whether we get this playoff seed or not? Do you do you think the Pelicans hold on to Alvin Gentry for one more season? That's a million dollar question, and, and you know, to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, I've been tremendously frustrated really from the minute that the gentry uh, came to the Pelicans. And the big thing for me is uh, that he, he's emotional. Uh, he can be brash. I think he has terrible body language uh, on the court. And I, I just think when you're a leader and uh, you know, you want to make an impression on your players, on your fans, and uh, you know, it's important as a coach to carry yourself with dignity. And I think in, in the post game press conference, he says the right things most of the time. Um, but you know, that's been frustrating. You know, another thing is I, I just, when this team was assembled and I, I keep going back to this, I really don't feel like he got a fair shake. Uh, when you consider the style of play uh, that he wants to implement uh, and then you give extensions to Agensa and you sign Ashik to a, a big long-term contract. And I mean, we could see this coming miles away, right? That these guys wouldn't fit into the system that Gentry has because they can't run and they're not the type of bigs that get up and down the floor easily. And so that that was never going to work in the system. And so I just don't really understand if Demps was going to move forward uh, with Gentry as his guy, 
why he wouldn't then assemble a team that more that fits his his coaching style more. Um, and uh, you know, I think finally now we're starting to see some players. And you know, I, I do think you know, starting five of Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, Solomon Hill, uh, Cousins, and Davis. I mean, I, I I do think that's a pretty good starting five, and I do think you can win in the NBA. Obviously, they need to work on their bench and their depth. Um, but I think that's a starting five you can win with. I just question if that's a team built for pace. Uh, we know Anthony Davis can work with pace. And, I mean, let's let's say so. Let's be honest. Davis can work in any offensive system because he's that good. Um, but I think when you look at the rest of the lineup, if you slow the pace down, you become more of a defensive-centered team. Um, I actually think that might suit the talent on the roster a little bit better right now. So, um, you know, I'm not the most X's and O's guys. I'm just calling it like I see it based on the talent on the, on the court. But uh, I still – I feel like it's gotten better, but I still don't feel like this is the ultimate and ideal lineup um, for Gentry's coaching style. And I wonder uh, if they will go ahead and make that move. Uh, now, you know, Demps is on the hot seat too, so uh, that, that's another big question mark for me, whether they retain him. Um, but I wonder if they go out and maybe try to find a coach that – suits the style of the starting five a little bit better. Definitely. He has had a poor shake with the injuries last year and a couple of yeah. question, questionable decisions. Um, I don't know if you watched the Grizzlies and the Wolves games uh, the past four days, but at the beginning of the second quarter, I get that he's experimenting and he's trying to figure out lineups. He's already done wonders with putting uh, a ball handler in with Drew Holiday for the majority of the games now to cut down on Drew's turnovers that's been costing us. But for some reason, against the Wolves and the Grizzlies, he started out the second quarter with a lineup void of Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and Drew Holiday, and we got absolutely smothered. Uh, the Wolves got out to a quick 7-0 run against us at the top of the second, and the Grizzlies, uh, something like that, I think it was about 9 or 11-0 run before Gentry had to call a timeout three minutes into the second and throw the guys back in there. And you just have to wonder, obviously he's throwing darts at a board right now, trying to figure out um, some stuff. And that will bring me to Drew Holiday, even bigger than Gentry, uh, because it's a player's league. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, he was shooting 40% from three. Post-boogie, now he's at 26%. He was turning the ball over six times a game before the past five games. Now he's got Frazier out there helping him out in Crawford. Uh assuming some of the ball handling duties, but uh, are you interested in giving a 26-year-old off guard with an injury history who plays really good defense and plays respectably on offense, are you going to give this guy max or near max money? I That's a really, really tough question for me, and it's a good question. My concern is being a team in New Orleans in a small market, uh, it's very hard to acquire players of Drew Holiday's caliber. Um, and so, you know, unless you're going to draft a guy and develop him, and that that hasn't been Dempsey's motto <laughs> at all. I mean, if anyone no, can't, get, he can't get those picks, he can't get those picks away fast enough. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it now I wonder if having Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis changes the landscape a little bit. I don't know how much recruiting power that gives you in free agency to maybe land a guy for less than that, that has a similar talent level. Um, but there's a lot of guards out there. I think that, that are very good. And, you know, I, we're in a league now that I think is very point guard driven and um, ball handler driven. And so as good as drew holiday is, you know, if you ask me to list the point guards in the league and where he falls, I mean, I, I would say he's 
maybe in the top 15 at best, um, you know, but maybe even 16 or 17. And so, um, you know, on one hand, so that, that leads me to say, is is he worth a max deal? I would say no. Um, but uh, I think you have to take it with the assumption that it's hard to land free agents in new Orleans and you've got a good thing and a good player. Um, I don't think this team can afford to go backwards. I kind of liken this to Nick Fairley. Uh, And you look at the Saints and how poor they were defensively. Uh, Finally, we saw last year um, signs that they were maybe improving. They weren't big signs. Um, You know, there were tons of injuries and uh, they didn't make a major leap. But I think they did enough to show us that there's at least hope. Uh, They weren't stuck in the cellar at 31 or 32 overall getting gashed for yards every single weekend. There were moments during the season, and Nick Fairley was a big part of that. Uh, and so a lot of the offseason talk was centered about around, do they pay Nick Fairley? Do they keep him? And you know, my comments were always, yeah, it's a risk to retain a guy like that because he's always played better uh, when he's been on a prove-a deal, um, and a long-term contract could make him fat and happy, and his performance could decline. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're finally starting to see improvement with the Saints defense, and we can't afford to let him go. We can't afford to move backwards. And so uh, I kind of liken that situation a little bit to this offseason with Holiday. Um, as much as I feel like it's an overpay, um, in some ways I feel like it's a risk the Pelicans have to take because uh, if he's not on the team, uh, if you're moving backwards, then you've basically just wasted Buddy Heald uh, and, the, and all the trade assets you gave away to acquire Boogie Cup. Definitely. And this, uh, the Pelicans, sorry, almost said Saints, do still have some options after they, in all likelihood, extend him. They've got the mid-level exception about $8 million a year, the biannual about three, and then they've got a trade exception, 3.6. Plus, they can get creative with uh, trading some contracts like uh, a Jensa or a Sheik with their 2018 first-round pick, try to get creative. But at any rate, look, we've got the Saints expert on here. Let's let's talk some some Saints. We we dove into Nick Fairley. They also got AJ Klein, Ted Ginn. They just got Mante Teo, uh, Sterling Moore. They brought him back. Alex Okafor, Larry Warford. Not to mention the Cooks trade, which as it stands, basically it's a it's a 15 spot uh, pick swap in the third and fourth, and the last pick in the first. How are you grading the Saints offseason so far? Before we get to Malcolm Butler, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I think they've made a lot of smart moves uh i don't think they they've blown up their cap in future years or, or made you know kind of a jerris bird type move that would handicap them uh, for a long time so it, it's been a lot of targeted moves uh it's been a volume uh which is good to see because i think this roster needs depth and it needs a lot of talent uh listen let's be honest they're seven and nine team but there's a lot of holes on this roster and so uh, i think the saints have to be smart um, and they have to accrue a lot of talent in, in different spots. But um, as always, I think, you know, and this has always been Mickey Loomis's strategy, he wants to attack free agency in a way that they try to fill all their needs um, before they get to the draft. And so then by the time they get to the draft, they're really set up to draft the best player available and not feel like they have to force a certain position um, because of it. And so, um, overall, I would say this offseason feels really, really good. Um, now, obviously, there's been all this talk about Malcolm Butler. Um, to me, uh, corner, even with the, the re-signing of Sterling Moore, is a sore, sore need right now. Um, before the re-signing of Sterling Moore, you look at the top four corners on the roster, Delvin Bro, P.J. Williams, Damian Swan, and Ken Crawley. 
all four of those guys finished the season on injured reserve. And so from a health perspective, when you talk about four guys, uh, they were all on IR. um, You can't count on all four of them staying healthy with the injury histories that those guys all have. And so obviously Sterling Moore coming back is, is, is big and it's great. But when you play in a division that has, has the last two MVPs in, in Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, and oh, by the way, the other team has had the first pick overall at quarterback in Jameis Winston. Um, you need all the DBs. You need all the healthy DBs you can get. Um, and so Malcolm Butler uh, specifically, I think, is a guy that uh, would be a huge deal to land for the Saints. Obviously, you don't want to give up the 11th overall pick, um, but I would say anything less than that I'm kind of on board with. And that's that would be, for me, kind of the missing element of this offseason before the draft comes. Uh, to really feel like it was a home run. Yeah, and let me know what you think about this. Uh, it seemed as if they were trying to get a deal done with him, and they ran out of time. They, it sounds like they really wanted to avoid giving Brandon Cooks that $700,000 bonus, and almost to an extent they uh, traded him the night before for a 30-second round pick just under the assumption that once they get this deal worked out with Malcolm, that they would just trade those back for Butler, and then, in essence, it's just a pick swap and cooks for, for uh, Butler, the pick swap being the third and the fourth. Does it, does it sound to you like that's what's happening? Yeah, I, I definitely felt like uh, the 32nd pick was maybe a placeholder um, of sorts. Yeah. And um, I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out. I think you're absolutely right. I think the cooks deal had to be accelerated due to an impending roster bonus, which was about to happen. And so uh, the saints had to get him out of there before Uh, they took on that extra cash. And so, um, you know, this Malcolm Butler thing is very complicated. Um, And, uh, you know, with him being a restricted free agent that's not under contract, uh, he's merely tendered at this point. Um, There's a lot of moving parts. Um, Now, the traditional way to land a restricted free agent is to sign him to an offer sheet. um, And then the team that owns his rights could decide to either match that offer and retain him at that contract or, uh, they could decline matching, at which point they would get the compensation of their tender. Um, and in this case, it's a first-round pick. And so uh, if the Saints were to go through that process uh, and the Patriots dec- decline to match, they would lose their 11th pick, right? So um, their Saints aren't going to do that. I-, I, don't th- I don't believe that uh, they're willing to go that route. And so that's, why, that's, that's the reason for the delay, and that's where it gets complicated um, because essentially the Saints have to agree with Butler – Uh, on terms without signing Uh, at that point they have to go back to the Patriots and say hey look we want to acquire this guy if he'll sign his tender with you this is what we're willing to give you Um, if he signs the tender would you be willing to part ways with him for this amount for 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 this compensation and so uh, a lot of moving parts and we'll see what happens Um, but at the end of the day yeah I, I definitely think that 32nd pick that the Patriots gave the Saints is in play um, to acquire Butler. Do you think it's probably around the Steph Gilmore number of five years, 65 million? Yeah, absolutely. I, you, yeah, I, I'd say you came close to nailing it with that number. Um, you know, obviously another big question is how much of that would be guaranteed. And uh, I think it could be as much as 40 million. Um, and, you know, obviously that would be the, that would be the big way that they could lure him away from the Patriots. All right. Now, moving right along, I could talk about Malcolm all day and how he affects the defense. But before we get to that, uh, I really wanted to ask about Steph Anthony with AJ Klein and Teo coming in. 
And plus, we had some strong play at times from Craig Robertson and Nate Stupar last year. And also, we've got the ever-lurking Daniel Ellerby, and we never know how much we're going to get from him. But when he is out there, he's terrific. So what does this all mean for Steph Anthony? Are we raising a white flag in the in the Jimmy uh, Graham trade right now? Uh, I don't know that that's uh, necessarily the case, um, but it's certainly a sign of, of the end. And... Uh, I think right now you look at the linebacker roster, the Saints are six deep. Um, listen, they, they've paid A.J. Klein um, a three-year handsome salary, and, and uh, Manti Teo has a two-year $5 million deal. So uh, they didn't pay these guys to, to not make the roster. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously I would say that while Teo and, and Klein both have the ability to kind of move around and not just play middle, um, I would say that middle linebacker is their best fit in their natural position for both players. Um, so uh, Stefan Anthony was the strong side linebacker. Uh, he was penciled in as a starter last year, changing positions uh, that never really took. Um, I, I think as much as his decline and, and the staff being unhappy with his ability to diagnose plays, for me, it was more just about health. Um, and when you're learning a new position and trying to acclimate, um, and you're injured all season, um, it, it's not going to happen. And so that, that's where it kind of was unfortunate for him uh, in a lost year. Um, so I think first and foremost for Anthony, he's got to get healthy. He's got to be on the practice field. I mean, when you're learning a new position and you are already struggling mentally with uh, the IQ and just the, the concepts and the reading diagnose, um, it's so important to be on the field getting practice reps. And so this training camp, I think from a health standpoint is kind of make or break. I mean, he really needs to be on the field, getting reps, learning, showing the coaches that he can get better. Um, if he can do that, um, listen, I, I think the Saints have six linebackers right now, and it's going to be a healthy competition. They've got six guys that are going to be vying to start. Um, you know, I think you kind of pencil in Robertson, uh, Ellerby, and, and Klein as your, as your starters. Uh, and right now I would say that, Stefan Anthony, Manti Teo, and Nate Stupar are, are on the outside looking in. Um, but certainly those three ladder guys I mentioned are capable of starting. Uh, and it's really going to come down to health, um, and it's going to come down to who looks best in camp. Uh, remember, when Robertson was signed last year, the vision for him was really to be a special teams guy and maybe uh, give the Saints some help on passing downs as a coverage linebacker where you know, he has some ability there. Um, but uh, – he surprised, and he ended up being the best linebacker on the roster last year um, and uh, being a mainstay as a starter. So uh, I don't think it's inconceivable that Anthony could get to that level next this coming year. Um, but really, I think first and foremost, it's about staying healthy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I wish him the best. Uh, he sure is a tackling machine. He's got all the athleticism. I'd love to see him do well and put it into practice. But uh, next year, should we make it to the divisional round, We'll be doing it with a 39-year-old quarterback. He's set to be a free agent, 5,000 yards in four of the past six seasons. And really, you can't count the two he missed. Um, He missed them by a combined, I think, like, I don't know, 150 yards. And Luke McCown had to start one game in place of him, I I believe, against the Panthers last year Mm -hmm. or or two years ago. Why do – first of all, why do Drew Brees and Mickey have such trouble – coming to agreements on contracts they're willing to to, it seems like mickey's willing to pay money he's just not willing to pay it to drew Brees. or is drew Brees just a tough haggler how how long do these two have left together i i think um part of why it's been such a struggle um 
first and foremost is, um, you know, the Saints have had trouble with their cap. Um, they've been right up against it several years. And so um, I, I, I do think Loomis has had to get creative uh, and be a little frugal and, and, and try to find ways to, to cut uh, money here and there to, uh, to keep the team competitive. Um, and I think from Breeze's perspective, you know, he's won the team a Super Bowl. Um, he, he's done everything that he's been asked. He always performs. Um, and so uh, he, he's certainly deserving of being one of the highest paid players in the NFL. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think why you don't see the Patriots and Tom Brady have the same issues. Um, you know, well, first of all, I think they don't pay huge money to players that are colossal busts that they have to cut um, <laughs> and take on, you know, a huge cap hit. Um, so I, I think that the, the dead money is part of it. I think bad decisions play in. Um, but I also think, you know, Tom Brady's a guy that, um, you know, when he, when he's done with the NFL off, when he's, when he's in his off season mode, um, he kind of retreats home and he, you know, he doesn't really get involved with a lot of stuff. There's no real agenda there other than focusing on playing. Um, I think for better or for worse, Breeze uh, is very much um, tuned into the NFL PA um, I don't want to say there's an agenda, um, but there's certainly an understanding and an awareness of what his contract means for the landscape of quarterbacks in general. Um, I think he cares about that. I think he cares about um, the history of the game. I think he cares about uh, the health of, of his fellow quarterbacks and uh, you know what, what this means in terms of labor negotiations and all that stuff. So I, I just think with Breeze, uh, there's more to it than just how much money he's making. Um, and uh, I, I don't mean that as a criticism at all. I, I think that's just uh, the reality of, of the commitments he has and, and what he cares about. And so um, I think it's more complicated than just sheer money and helping the Saints out. Um, and because of that, I think it becomes more complicated in negotiation. Awesome. I never thought about that aspect of it. He always takes such a big part in the in the labor negotiation. So uh, that's really interesting to hear, actually. But um I, I do hope he retires. Uh, I hope I hope he plays till he's fifty in New Orleans, even when he's lost it and he can't even throw the ball anymore. The guy's such a hero, <laughs> and we've been so blessed having him since two thousand six. Really, a hero in my eyes. Um, yeah. This one, this one's just for fun. Uh, roll with it if you want to. My fiance put me on to it. Uh, Bill Belichick is refusing to trade Malcolm Butler. It just the whole thing falls apart. And like you said, we have such trouble with with Damian Swan and PJ Williams just keeping them out on the field. Plus, like we worry about their safety. These guys are suffering from it seems fourteen concussions per year. Um, so anyway, we're down to Delvin Bro and Sterling Moore. We need another cornerback. Luckily, Tom Benson owns the Pelicans as well, and he's willing to give you any Pelicans player you want to play cornerback for the New Orleans Saints. Who do you take, and where do you put them in the depth chart? <laughs> I love this question. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, first of all, you have to think about the body type. I think so many Pelicans players are, are tall, but too tall and uh, and not thick enough. I mean, uh, I wonder about Boogie Cousins maybe as a tight end, um, but I think Drew Holiday would probably be my pick um, because he's pretty fast. Uh, you know, he's 6'4", so from a height perspective, he's really tall, which would be great for a corner, um, but he's also got kind of the, the, the lean. He, he's powerful. He, he's well-built. Uh, you know, he's a cut player, and, and, uh, and he's pretty quick. So uh, I think, you know, from basketball, I mean, you've got to be able to cut on a dime. 
um, and uh, move quickly uh, in different directions. Um, and, and that's what being a corner is all about. Um, so uh, if I had to pick one guy as a corner, uh, I'd probably go with Drew. Awesome stuff, Andrew. Thank you so much for spending your uh, your hump day. Happy hump day here with us. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. And uh, you guys, you can check out Andrew and his squad at sportsdaily.com slash the-saints.nation and at Saints Nation blog with no O in blog, just BLG. And follow Andrew at Andrew Juge, J-U-G-E on the end of that. Uh, Andrew, do you have anything to plug, man? Any Any articles coming out this week or any pods dropping? Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, actually, so the website you can you can just go. Uh, also, I, I, we own the link to uh, just uh, the URL thesaintsnation.com, so that that's a little easier. Oh, well, that's uh, way easier. That I'll put that in the, the yeah. body of this description. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, um, but uh, no, I mean we update stuff daily. Obviously, we've been busy with free agency, just kind of recapping um, the signings, and you know it's kind of twofold. First of all, we give our thoughts on the pickups and how it affects uh, the roster in general. Um, and then there's a lot of great bloggers out there that over the years, I mean, I've been doing this for about a decade. So uh, I've got a lot of relationships with other bloggers of other teams. And um, obviously uh, it's helpful to get their information and their view on uh, the player that the Saints just acquired. So uh, we've been doing a lot of that. Um, and so uh, you can certainly check that out to get information um, on some of these new players. Um, but really what's coming up now is, is uh, you know, we've already dived into uh, the upcoming draft, which will be at the end of next month. So we're about, we're a little over a month away now, about a month and a week. But uh, the NFL draft is coming up, and uh, our coverage of that is pretty extensive. And so, um, you know, obviously now that we're going to get inside of a month here pretty quickly, uh, you're going to start to see player profiles, a lot of mock drafts, um, just talking about the roster in general and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, definitely check us out. Um, and, uh, yeah, Preston, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. You're the man. Come back anytime, Andrew. Appreciate it. That's it, Pels fans. I've been Preston Ellis. Follow me, at Preston Ellis. Now, if you guys like what you're hearing, give us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And if you don't, well, uh, go rate Locked on Pels. No, I'm just kidding. Now, don't go too far, because tomorrow we're going to have Space City Hoops' Kelly Iko from the Houston Rockets Fan Sided Network. He's going to come on and talk the upcoming game that's on Friday night in Houston. So check back here first thing on Friday morning and hear straight from the lips of the enemy. Now you guys have a great day at work or whatever time of day you might be listening on. And hey, you guys, let's go pals.